for the eighth time. This is 99th episode. Come on and join us as we get our minds managed. It's a launch. First to figure out but All right. It's a, a button. Bad idea. Yeah. Starting off the same way as last week. What the heck was this button? Hey, so how about the bad idea and the button? So what's funny is uh, we're going to get back to talking about Valiant today because I know one of the things that you want to talk about, and we can't help but not talk about Valiant with yeah. talking about the book you want to talk about. So uh, let's just dive right into actually the, the first question I had. Do you remember, and for you this is longer ago than me because you started reading comics as a kid. Okay. Do you remember the first uh, writer or artist that you, when you saw a book, you thought this is so-and-so's book? Probably Jim Lee in X-Men. Okay. And I'm guessing before you got to that point, you were probably reading those X-Men books. And after a while, you're like, you know, this is Jim Lee's book. And then, like, you see Jim Lee doing other stuff. You're like, that's Jim Lee. And, like, you put the pieces together. You're like, this guy creates all these different things. Like, does that does that question make sense? Uh like when you when you start to follow a creator rather than a title. Yeah, it's when you get that like aha moment of this creator creates other things, and you know, mm-hmm. you, you, I like this creator, not just this property or this, you know. Well, I, I think it was a little different for me because I was very much a child of the early '90s in comic reading. That's when I was reading was like. 89, 90, 91, 92, 93. And the big thing that happened in that time was Image Comics started. And Image Comics, the entire premise of it is, hey, you loved everything that these creators did at Marvel, so come watch them do their own thing at Image. Like, that was the like blatant nature of the press release. So it wasn't really something that I kind of discovered organically more so it was kind of pummeled in my face by the uh, launch of image comics so i think i became of it aware of that idea in a much different way than i think um somebody it's not then i'm guessing you did based on the the way you're leading into this question yeah you know it's almost um it's almost sad that you lost that opportunity to, to have that that way. Cause I, to me, that was one of my, uh, it was one of the special moments in becoming a comic fan. Like we talked, I think it was just on our, our, uh, last week we talked about, um, getting into Valiant and how it was just this whole wide open world of, um, you know, exciting new things. And just like, you'd like dive in both feet and love it all. And, um, it was, there wasn't so many things you couldn't, you know, yada, yada, mm-hmm. but, uh, it was Valiant Comics actually where this happened with me too, because I, at that point I had settled into reading, like I started off with some Batman and then I settled into, um, X-Men and then when I discovered Valiant, like I said, it was kind of a new thing. So that was where I was starting to expand out more from just getting the couple like properties that I knew, you know, Batman and X-Men. Mm-hmm. And I still remember when I put the pieces together, because I was excited about Rye coming out, which is written by Matt Kent. I was excited about it because, of course, they had been previewing it and it looked just really interesting. And, you know, the art was awesome because it was it was fully painted art. Um, and I I believe that's the first time that we saw that with Valiant was. Uh, and it, You mean like the, the painted art? 
Yeah, like yeah. the book that was all that fully painted art, and that's why was it Clayton Crane or is it? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, Clayton um, Crane and his like digital painting style, which is like hyper kinetic and really cool. Yeah. So I was really excited about Rye. Rye comes out and I read it. I really like it. And I realized that I was really enjoying Unity at that time, too. And that's when it clicked that, hey, this guy Matt Kinn is doing both of these books. Because I, I didn't know who he was before that. That was my introduction to Matt Kinn. Ah, and okay. so that mm-hmm. was my aha moment. Like, oh, oh, look at this. Like, I really like both of these books. They stand out to me. This guy's doing both of these. Now I can go check out what other things he does and start to discover it. And I think the... The natural uh, next step for Matt Kent, his biggest body of work at that time, where now he has he has a lot of stuff that he does now, but uh, it was mind management. And so I eventually checked out mind management. Um, and it's funny because Matt Kent and Jeff Lemire, I think of in a very similar light. Like they both kind of, they can do all the components making comics themselves in a very artistic and unique way. You know, they both write, obviously. Yeah. They both draw. They've drawn stuff that other people have written. Um, well, actually, I don't know if Kent has. I think Kent might only draw for himself. But I know Jeff Lemire has drawn drawn at least some stuff that um, that others wrote. Yeah, I can't think of anything that Matt Kent has drawn. Other than that... like he's he's done like an issue of Sweet Tooth or something like that. Like oh okay, little bits. But he hasn't done like big projects where he was the artist and somebody else was the writer. I don't think Jeff Lemire's done a ton. The one thing that jumps to mind is uh, AD After Death that he did with Scott Snyder. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you ever read that, but uh, it's worth it for Lemire's art, not as much for the writing. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> okay. Not that it's Understood. bad writing, but the the playing with format, I like. It's still at the very least worth checking out for Lemire's art. I would say. Okay. But, um, yeah. So like so. Jeff Lemire, because I had had this aha moment, and then, like, obviously, Kent and Lemire, like, they've always had some kind of association. So I know that Lemire is going to come and do something for Valiant at some point, and I'm able to start checking out his stuff before he, uh, you know, he, he gets on board with Valiant. So, and I believe Sweet Tooth was the first thing I checked out with him. But you only get, like, one time of having that moment where you go, like, oh, crap, look at this. This is awesome. Like, these pieces click together for me now. And I understand that I just opened up this door to knowing how to find other things that I'll like. Ah, that's cool. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess that's always been a part of what I've been like, how, how I've gone uh, about things. Cause when I started reading comics again in a, around the year 2000, one of the things that uh, got pointed out to me was the authority. I was like, wow, I really like this. So let's look at who's writing it. Oh, it's Warren Ellis. Well, what else is he doing? He's doing Planetary. He's doing Transmetropolitan. And all of those have became favorite series of mine by that avenue of looking at this creator, what they've done, and what else I might like by them because of it. Yeah, I definitely think it's something that doesn't take long to uh, to get to that point of putting the, that piece together. And then once you do, you just like you can't even go back. You know, it's like you yeah. just... It's it's too obvious at that point. I was actually thinking about that. So I have uh, I texted you a picture of it, but I had gotten the mind management omnibuses. Uh, Dark Horse has been releasing some very nice paperback omnibuses, collecting uh, a lot of material for a very affordable price. So like cool. this, the mind management ones, they're twenty five dollar cover price, 
and it collects the whole series in three volumes. So it's like 12 issues per book. Um, I also have, they did it with Hellboy. Uh, so I have four paperback omnibuses that collect all of Hellboy and Hellboy in Hell. Okay, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, I have the hardcover omnibuses of BPRD. Yeah, the like the Plague of uh, Frogs ones. Yeah, there's yeah, it's basically the entire Plague of Frogs saga. Yeah, that's that's good. so basically. Um, so I, I got really into Hellboy um, when I started going to the comic shop that I went to that is now closed. He opened with like a big purchase collection, and eventually he started um, discounting the stuff that he had opened with trying to clear it out because he was actually getting new books rolling in and stuff like that. So I ended up getting a ton of Hellboy for like a buck or less an issue with different sales and stuff like that. Um, so I just like kind of, I started dipping my toes in and then just kept on going. And then eventually I realized how annoying it is to try to read Hellboy uh, in, in reading order because of how they, like it's basically a bunch of miniseries. Yeah, and, and it's it's so hard to figure out which miniseries comes where, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and you know then you get BPRD starting to go, and that's like the Plague of Frogs is collecting all of BPRD. Mm-hmm. When Plague of Frog ends is when BPRD ends, and it becomes BPRD Hell on Earth. Yeah, uh, which I've if you haven't read, read that, so good. Oh really? Um, as much as Hellboy is like the the staple character of you know Magnolia's universe, BPRD is the best stories. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of why I got into it because uh, I had read some Hellboy, and I enjoyed it. I was entertained by it, but it didn't really really call out to me. But my buddy Christian, um, old OTV host, and now Elvin's Comics. Um, purveyor, he was telling me that BPRD is like one of the best things he's ever read. Yeah. He and so, and then I, I heard from other people that, wow, BPRD is like the best thing. So I started tracking it down and I got the first hardcover and read it. And then, yeah, it was really good because I think, like you said, it's, it has the better stories that I think Hellboy is a great character. Um, but it was then ended up being a story of, oh, he's fighting this monster or this magician or this whatever. And I was like, eh, okay, like, that's entertaining. But BPRD had a lot more um, meat on the bones of that story, I feel like, that I, at least for me, in terms yeah. of what I'm interested in. More characters, more character development, uh, more growing the story. Um, yeah. I, um, I kind of feel like Hellboy is the like more the artistic expression and bprd is the storytelling okay interesting and it's been it's been a long time since i've properly read hellboy and that's one thing actually like i I just started reading mind management again knowing we were going to talk about it and uh i'm sitting here looking at the book i'm like i should read hellboy too i got all those you know omnibuses and i'm just letting them sit there right now but i got them for a ridiculous deal too Mm -hmm. um but, uh, yeah, so, I, like, I need to read it again, but, like, that's kind of what it strikes me as, is, is Hellboy, it's, like, sort of, like, playing with this ideal, because Hellboy also ran way less than BPRD did. Like, Plague of Frogs is four omnibuses. Yeah. All of Hellboy, including Hellboy in Hell, is four omnibuses. Hellboy in Hell was not the, like, it, it wasn't a very long run, 
it was just like one story basically but that's basically when bprd starts if i remember right which is that hellboy leaves the bprd and then he goes to hell am i remembering that right i or i i i'm i think i'm confusing the timeline a little bit because it's been a long time since i've read a lot of this stuff but um b uh, hellboy leaves bprd i think that that's like he's kind of doing his own thing okay Um, so yeah and yeah okay keep going yeah yeah so he dies and goes to hell the same time hell on earth starts okay that sounds more accurate yeah so basically like plague of frogs is running concurrently with all the other like hellboy hellboy title and then when he dies the event that is is his death, him going to hell, is also what kicks off Hell on Earth and all these crazy monsters, and it shifts everything for BPRD. Um, I that's what I'm remembering is those kind of happen at the same time, and then it's the next segment of the story. But so the next segment of the story already there's more BPRD material than Hellboy material. The next segment of the story, Hellboy's story is fairly short, and Hell on Earth goes on for a very long time. A lot of different creators. That's that's where the Magnola verse is kind of like, uh, you know, Mirage uh, TMNT. Yeah, Magnola is involved in stuff. He does some stuff like specifically on his own, or he does some art with other people writing, or he writes with other people doing art. Like he has his hands in stuff, but he's not solely creating everything. It's open to other people, and I think that's what makes BPRD so good. Is it's not just him; it's a lot of other people involved in it, and a lot of people that I've really grown to enjoy. Like uh, John Arcudi jumps to mind. He did Ether. Uh, no, I'm sorry, he didn't do it. He uh, did. Oh crap! What's it called? Ether is one that Kent did with. Uh, do I David need to pull Rubin. out the Google Foo? Uh, it's a John Arcudi book. It's a Dark Horse book. Very. Uh, it's a, it was a book I really enjoyed. I'll, I'll come up with the title in a minute. But... Major bummer. No. His what comes the mask. <laughs> That's what it lists on uh, Wikipedia. He oh, did man. the mask in BPRD and his series Major Bummer. Oh, the mask was so I tried reading the mask because I was like, oh, Don Arcutie wrote this and I was like, it, you know, it was a, a hoopla download. Oh, I was so bad. So, so bad. Like I, I I cannot understand why people would want to read that, but you know, Peter takes all types. It just was so like ho- horribly promoting violence and misogynistic and like it struck me real real bad hmm. i'm looking through trying to find this interesting because it looks like he did rumble there we go what'd you say rumble rumble okay yeah i've never even heard of that so there there's a suggestion for everybody rumble i really really enjoyed rumble good read fun book okay but um yeah so anyways like i discovered um i got used to john arcudi's name from what he did with uh with bprd and then when i came across like I, rumble caught my eye because it was it, it was the art then when i realized oh hey john arcudi's writing this i really like what he did with bprd okay this guy this guy's a win and then i went back and read the mask and i was like this okay don't read the really really old stuff and <laughs> um yeah it looks like he was a kind of a um standard fixture in the early dark horse days yeah yeah that that's the pieces i put together from him and uh, another writer that did uh, he did one story in the Magnoliaverse is is Josh Dysart. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they have the I believe it's BPRD. There's like 1946, 1947, 1948. I think those are the years. But they they did a, a series of stories that were different years. 
Yeah, I have that hardcover collection on my yeah. shelf with BPRD also. So I one think of he those did the is, 1947 or the 1948 series. I think it was 47. I think he did the one in the middle. Uh, but I thought that was the best of them too. That I thought that his story, and once again, this it's been quite a while since I've read it, and I re- have read a lot because um, I've read uh, all of it, and it's long, like I said. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, his story was like the most horror story feeling story in all of it. I thought, like, and actually, like you know, had that horrific, creepy, you know. Like, not just, like, this is horror action and it's fun, but, like, actually, you know, felt dark and creepy. Sure, yeah, I kind of remember that about it. I, I couldn't remember any of the details of the story, but I remember that tone and feel to it. Yep, that's where I am, too. I don't remember a damn thing about the story. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. The, the one area I have to catch up on in the whole, I guess I'd say the core Magnoliaverse, like, before you get into offshoots like Lobster Johnson and stuff like that, is... They started doing Hellboy and the BPRD, and I believe the stories like all are all tagged with different years, kind of like what we were just saying. But it's so it's like going back and telling the stories of Hellboy actually working with the BPRD before he split off. And I've read some of those, but not all those. And I need to figure out how to like organize those in a readable way. Also, like hopefully they'll just keep on coming out with these omnibuses and make it easy on me because that's the great thing about them too. They're affordable. They're for paperbacks. Like they're really well bound. But everything is also collected um, in reading order. So it's like it's really readable. Whereas um, trying to get the like the floppies is is a huge pain to try to figure out how to read that stuff. Yeah, Um, I think I started getting some of the Hellboy trades and it was it was very confusing to figure out, Okay, wait, which one is the first and which one is the second? Because they don't just number them one, two, three. It seems like they just give each one a title. Yep. And so you have to go online, look it up. Okay, which which titled volume is the first one? Which titled volume is the second? And and so on and so on. Yeah, I made some very complicated lists to try to read that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But then on top of that, like the, the trades, I think Dark Horse's trades are like 18 bucks is the normal like cover price for their trades. It's something like that. Like it's not quite 20, but it's, it's pushing it and like... I feel like it's pushing how much trade should cost by a little bit, but the the omnibuses are twenty five dollars. That's great, yeah, yeah, and it's I mean three trades in an omnibus, probably something like that. Probably it, it sounds like the mind management is two trades worth in an omnibus. But if there's uh, they're, they're twelve issues, but them. the yeah. So mind management was originally obviously published as floppies, but the um, the first way it was collected was in hardcovers. So there was no, like, just trade paperback with them. And that's Um, what I have. I have the six volumes of the hardcovers, those original hardcovers. I bought them as they were coming out. I guess this is kind of leading into what what I wanted to talk about, which is that I've been reading Mind Management. And I've had these hardcovers basically since they came out. And I read the first two volumes as they were coming out, but then I decided, okay, I'm going to wait until it's all done uh, before I read it all. But apparently I never set a time limit on how long after it's done. (laughs) I'll actually get around to reading it because I'm finally now uh, getting to it. Because as people who have listened to past episodes know, I've been reading a lot, a lot of X-Men. And now that I'm done with Age of Apocalypse, I'm kind of just taking a break from it so that I can go read some other stuff. And one of my big missions is to catch up on things that I bought like as it was coming out, but that I never actually finished reading. And so the first up on that list was mind management for me. 
That's a good one. I've read all of my my management through once, and I want to read them again. I got a bit of a story about my experience with reading mind management. So it goes back to, you know, when I was really into Valiant, I checked it out and I got the the first volume. Mm -hmm. But at that time I was uh, dealing with a lot of health issues. I didn't even realize all of what I was dealing with. Uh, I had a bulging disc in my back. So my back for quite a while was just like overwhelming pain that was kind of clouding my whole life. Oh, I kind of remember the bulging disc saga. Yeah. And, uh, it was it was awful. Like the 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 pain was the type of thing where um, I mean anybody who's had major back issues knows that it just like it's not just I hurt, but it starts to be like you're in a fog all the time because you're always in pain, and it's the kind of pain that um, you can't. It's not you know like you hurt yourself, you could just ignore it and function, and it goes away. But like it's the kind of pain that it's just it's always a part of what's going on. But even uh, when I finally realized, like, hey, I can't fix this on my own, I went to the doctor, started going to physical therapy. After a few months, finally got the disc to pop back into place and continued to heal from it. It wasn't until quite some time later that I realized that um, the fog I was in wasn't all just because of the back pain. Um, The first thing that I discovered was that I had a major problem with gluten. And one of the ways that it affected me is I I couldn't focus. I couldn't think well. Like, I felt like I was in a bubble all the time. Hmm. So, like, I could could act like I was uh, functioning well because I knew how to. But I also, like, I was in a fog. I was in, like, I was in this bubble. So, like, if I knew how I was going to interact with somebody, no problem. But I couldn't always take in all the information that was coming to me. And I, like... I couldn't remember stuff really well. And like, there was a lot of ways that it affected my mind really heavily. And that's, that was the worst of it. Like it affected me physically too. And part of the reason that the pain from the bulging disc was so bad is actually because of inflammation because of, of eating gluten. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So like I was in a really rough spot and I tried to read mind management and I read through the first volume. I got into the second volume and I just had the hardest time reading it. And you've read it some, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that they had like Matt Kent, fits a lot of extra stuff in there the uh you know the text along the sides of the page i i don't know are you as you read through are you reading that like page by page as you go are you just skipping that and focusing on the panels like how are you approaching it yeah that's that's a really good question and it's it's shifted as i've been reading so for people that don't know matt kent on the that each one of the pages actually it looks like a, a comic book page in terms of how it's laid out, like the actual piece of paper that comic book pages are drawn on, it has the blue border with the little blue tick marks on the side to help denote like where you know panels might be. And it has instructions, but it, it, it's interesting. They're different instructions. It says like, when filing report, all essential details must fall within the solid live area box. This is for a standard non-bleed field report. So it's kind of, it's taking the typical layout of a the piece of paper that comics are drawn on, but then calling it this like a field report form for the mind management organization. But then on, on another side, it also, it varies throughout the series, but there's always something printed there. And it starts out as like the mind management field manual, which is a, mind management is essentially an old government organization where people learn to uh, develop powers using the power of their mind it's kind of mind over matter and the power of suggestion and things like that like uh, people some people can make people forget things some people can 
not die from wounds because of their mind over matter abilities with their um with their mind or others have the ability to write things that will influence people and make them do things when they read it, you know, stuff like that. So it's kind of all over the place. Yeah. So like whenever I was first reading it, I was trying to read all that stuff and like my brain just couldn't handle all of it. Like I couldn't remember the stuff well enough. Uh, and so I eventually gave up trying. And mm. then years later, I, kind of was sorting out all my health problems um by this time we had moved into our house and you know i was starting to figure out all these other problems i had that were masked by the the physical problem of of my, you know my bulging disc and i bought the six hardcovers that you have uh, I, I bought them all in one shot because uh, i had given up and like traded in the other ones i had before or whatever and uh i got them all and i was, I was gonna read them all and I just like I couldn't really get going on them, and then eventually I had a friend that I knew wanted all of those, so I sold the physical copies to him for the same deal. Like I got them for a really good deal, so I sold them to him for what I paid, and then I bought them all digitally on sale on Comixology. So then I ripped through them all digitally, and it made it really easy to read. I decided, you know what, I'm not going to try to read all the little like peripheral details. I'm mm-hmm. just going to read the story, and reading the story, especially reading the part that I had already read, that you would think. I should know pretty well and be very familiar with. Of course, there was some familiarity, but the amount I was able to get out of it that I couldn't before was like surprising. Like it, I there was there was a lot there that I just my, I couldn't absorb. Um, yeah, it's a very dense yeah story. A lot of things going. You could read it and like you know not get all the 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 details that are in there and still enjoy it, but then you could read it again and like find all these extra things in there. But so for me, my management, being able to read that was a big hurdle for me in seeing that I had regained control of my life, of mm, my interesting. mind. So okay. I like I have a real soft spot for mind management. Like I've always loved Matt Kent. And he was like I said, he was the first person that stood out to me as a comic writer. Just kind of coincidentally, there's a lot of other comic writers that I really enjoy. But um, so like it started there. Um, he actually played in my fantasy football league for a couple of years that was totally random, but it was, it was cool to do that. And, you know, when I was doing the, the Valiant Central podcast, uh, we, we interviewed him once and I thought like just talking to him was a pleasure. Like just everything about Matt Kent is good anyways. And it's kind of cool to have, um, have a work of his be that like big marker for me in my life. So like mind management means a lot to me because for me it was, um, like I said, it was, it was regaining my life. Like, stuff was not going so good when I was struggling with all these problems and didn't know what was going on. So yeah, so it's just like mind management is huge to me for that reason. So I I was excited when you said you were starting to read it. I wanted to talk about it. I want to start reading it again. So that's my mind management story. The first time that I finally read it. Um, Now let's dig more into what you thought reading it. The actual story. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll touch, uh, finish up talking about how, how I'm reading it with in terms of all the extra material because the extra material is one of the first things that made me, back when I was reading this, uh, I think I actually bought like the first six issues or so in floppy before I ever even uh, picked up the trades or hardcovers or anything. And I started reading those. And that's what I think was the first thing that blew my mind because... I was reading this and 
I started looking at what's on the side and it looks like, okay, it's the outtakes from the mind management uh, manual. So it's like paragraph one, you always think your enemies to death or whatever. <laughs> like section two, always have an exit strategy and remember to use your cognitive washing abilities or, you know, it's just kind of this weird pseudo mumbo jumbo as it's going along. But somewhere around the third or fourth issue, that totally changes. And those those messages in the side get hijacked. And somebody starts talking to you, the reader, directly through those messages. And it's like it's like it's portrayed as if somebody has hijacked the book and is inserting their own messages where this man the messages from this manual should be in the book. And when I realized that, that is what made me think, wow, this is this is something different and really, really cool. And that's, I think, the first moment where I really fell in love with this book. Though, obviously, it didn't get me to finish reading the entire thing <laughs> at the time. But it, it made me realize that, yeah, this is something unique and something pretty special. When uh, Quick quick question on that point. When you yeah. were reading it, did you get kind of like lulled into stopping paying attention to what was on the side? Because, yes. okay, this is... And then suddenly you're like, what the heck is this? When you realize, yes. like, it's like realizing somebody's been watching you for a while yes. like it's it's shocking <laughs> yeah it, it was and then i actually had to go back like an extra issue or two to find out where that actually started happening because it's exactly what happened is i got lulled into i kind of got used to what it was after uh, maybe through halfway through the second issue or into the third issue or something. And I started to think, okay, you know, this is just kind of like extra little flavor. I don't really need to pay attention too much, but obviously it's, it's ended up being much, much more. But now as I'm reading it, what I do is I read the entire story uh, of each issue. And then I turn the book sideways and I go back to the beginning and I read all of the stuff that is along the, um, the edges of the pages all as one issue. And I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword because a lot of times, even when it's like manual excerpts, the things they're describing in the manual on that page mirror what's happening in the story in some way. So there's value in reading it at the same time, but I I feel like it it breaks up my flow of uh, reading the book. It's kind of like, have you ever read a book where there's dialogue happening between two characters, but then there's also narration box from one of the characters that's like talking, saying something different. So it's kind of like there's there's a, a narration conversation happening with the reader while there's a conversation between two characters happening. And it's kind of like two story threads occurring at the same time. Yeah. I always have a hard time following that. Because I don't know, like the jumping back and forth, it just kind of breaks my focus. And so sometimes what I have to do is I have to like on a page, read all the dialogue, then read all the narration. And this was had a similar effect where when I did take the time to read what was on the side of each page, it made me kind of lose focus on the the what was happening in the story. So for me, it became better to just read all the story then read all the extra stuff on the sides afterwards. I think that, um, like what you're saying about the narration mixed in with the dialogue, if that's done poorly, it's just it's really rough to read. 
anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I think is interesting with mind management is it's made to be difficult to read that way. Like literally it's, it's small, you know, small type on the side of the page. Nothing about it is meant to be easy. And it gives you this really um, like one, it gives you different ways you can approach it, which is always kind of interesting. But two, it's intentionally disjointed. Like it's not meant to be easy it just it creates a really cool effect like i just said the the effect where you you realize suddenly that it went from being like you get lulled into this false sense of security like oh it's just saying yeah. these like basic things not that interesting and then suddenly you realize that it's saying something really crazy and you go well, what the heck is this and you go back and try to figure out what was going on you couldn't get that if it was easy so it's like it's really really toying with um with you know form it's like breaking the the fourth wall in a different way instead of like the you know them coming into our world breaking the fourth wall and recognizing that the reader is there it's like almost like bringing us into what's behind the story that we're reading you know yeah and i think that you you touched on something there that this book plays with the form and what you can do in different ways to tell stories and i think that that is one of the things i i really really love about this series is uh how how it does that and um one thing that i always look out for is what i call like things you can only do in comics like when something happens in a story where there would be no way to make what just happened in that uh in those panels you couldn't translate that into a book or you couldn't translate it into a movie or anything like that one of the examples that i always like to give is there's a couple issues in x factor where there's this uh this character and i always forget her name but she's basically she's a villain and she she plays the violin and playing the music the music gives her like special powers and there's these two panels where there's somebody kind of sitting there and she walks up to them and starts playing the violin and it makes like the music note symbols on the page to indicate that music is playing. Mm -hmm. But then those music note symbols reach out and like start strangling the person that she's going after. And like, there's no way to do that. Like, because only in a comic is the sound a visual element like you can't do that in a movie you couldn't have the sound strangle somebody if you <laughs> described it in a book it would it wouldn't even look like that right you, you just say like she was played her violin and he started choking right it doesn't have the same effect but like you can only portray that type of thing in a comic book and yeah and yeah, I mean, you could do it in a movie with like computer graphics, but it would feel obvious. It would, it'd and feel in a cheesy. Comic, yeah. yeah, in a comic, it, it's it's what you're, it's the format you're expecting, and then suddenly it's like, what the heck? It, yeah, that's you can't execute it the same way. That's mm-hmm. that actually kind of makes me want to read that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 just kind of like this short little part in this in this bigger story, but it was like just this one moment that always stuck out of me as like the perfect example of this only makes sense in comics and you can only do what this story just did in a comic book. And have you, uh, uh, sorry, I don't want to break your thought. No, go for it. Uh, I'll get have, back to this. Have you seen, speaking of, uh, playing with format, that just goes to show how much of a genius, uh, Kent is. Have, have you heard about how, uh, when he signs books, one of the things he'll do sometimes is actually burn, the book no you haven't heard of that oh man 
So he does some crazy things sometimes with signing books. And that is one of the things I had heard of him doing that. I've never met him at a, at a convention. Um, I don't get to go to conventions um, that, you know, have people that anybody cares about, really. Um, so I don't really go to conventions much at all. Eventually, I want to. Like, he's one of the people. He he and Jeff Lemire are, like, the two people that I really, really want to meet at a convention. And, you know, mm-hmm. actually, I could throw Stan Sakai in there now, too. I would love to meet him. Anyways, in uh, I think it's the book Red Handed, but I, I need to double check this. But um, he, when he signs it, burns part of one of the pages and puts it out. But it's playing with the format because it actually, like, the, like, one page to the next. I forget exactly what it is, but, like, it actually works. We're doing it. It um, It's just playing with the format even more. Like, it makes it fit in with the story. And that's why mm. he does it specifically on that book. So when he was making this book, he planned it that way. Like, he, he awesome. made his book to be able to do that. So then you go to meet him as a, as a fan. Can I get my book signed? And he's able to do this thing that is so unique and different. And the like the coolest thing about Kent is he does these things and it's not like he's doing it to like make some grand show of himself or you know, mate like he does it because he just enjoys the hell out of doing it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like it's I, I don't know, there's there's like a, a purity to it, you know, like he he just like, Oh, this would be a good idea, let's do this and it's nothing about you know, getting notoriety or, you know, it's just he wants to do this idea, you know? It's yeah. Just, I love it. What I get a sense of from his stories is he is driven by, he really loves telling stories in comics and really loves finding ways to tell stories in comics that are different from the usual story. Like one example I I think is really great in mind management is there's uh, some bits of the story where um, somebody's memory is being messed with so that like there starts to be holes in the memory. And so when this person is, is recollecting these events, those things that are, are being like carved out of their memory are shown as like barely pencil lines in the page rather than the fully rendered watercolor and inks drawings of everything else. And so it uses the the w- way comics are created, like the, you start with pencils and then you typically will do inks and then you do colors to kind of remove some of those layers of how the comic is finished to show that that memory now is unfinished and is incomplete. And like that is, I think, just a really, really cool way to go about doing that. And it's another one of those examples of something that I think that really works in comics better than just about anything else. Yeah, like comics and Looney Tunes cartoons. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good example. So right now I'm halfway through mind management. And I guess observation one is... It is incredibly easy to read once I get into it. Like, uh, I've just been flying through these books, just you know, issue after issue so, so quickly. It's just, it is very compelling and makes me want to read more. And my second observation is it takes a volume to a volume and a half to get to that point, though. I still feel like the first volume is... Um, it requires a lot of investment, like mental investment to understand the story and what's going on in the story, because it's 
it's a story where it's both clear what's going on and also not clear what's going on at the same time. And that's hard to describe because I think that that is kind of a nature of the actual story itself about this organization that has these mental abilities. And so there's this hidden world of what's going on in people's minds that is affecting the world in addition to just the things that are happening in the world. So there's these kind of two layers of like the mental world, which is strange and is having effects on the world that aren't intuitive or, or normal in a comic book, because that's what this is about is people with mental powers that can affect the world in strange ways. And that coupled with just what is happening, it, it took me a while to kind of understand that and get used to that. But once I did get used to that storytelling and it now has become very, very easy to read. Exactly. Like the, the more you, the more you get used to it, it, it I mean, it's in a way it's sort of like reading, uh, going back and reading, you know, Chris Claremont's X-Men. Um, I had to get used to reading comics the way they were written in the late seventies, early eighties and on. Um, with this, you have to get used to like how the story is being presented to you, uh, over time. You kind of build up all the pieces and, um, going back and reading it again, like after you've built up that strength, it's kind of like, a when you play a video game, um, where as you play, you get used to like how you go about fighting enemies and stuff like that. And then you play through it, you beat it. And then you decide, I enjoy that. I want to play it again. So you start from the beginning and because you've built up all those like mental skills, like the, you know, the play is very different and it opens you up to experiencing more aspects than you could the first time. And that's mm-hmm. like my management is definitely very much that way. You got to got to build up the, the skill to be able to read this book. Yeah, but in a way it also it teaches you how to read it at the same time. Like the book itself is the training you need to read the book. Yep. So in that way, I think it it's, man, just, just so good. And when you really zoom out, it's a fairly straightforward story. It's about there's an, this old government organization that was shut down, and now there's two factions that are uh, recruiting old members of this organization and trying to destroy the other faction. And it's not quite clear yet why, but that's just that's kind of the the top level view of of what's happening and in the middle of it is this one young lady who is seemingly possibly the one of the strongest agents that the organization ever had but her memory has been wiped of all this and so she's learning about all this past and the role she played in this organization while all this recruitment is happening and that's kind of like the the quick pitch of what is going on in this book but it's it's more in the the way it's all told and the intricacies of the plot is what really makes this interesting and things like how it plays with the form to tell the story i think is is really where a lot of the joy of this series uh, comes from i keep on wanting to talk about the story but i don't want to give anything away and i haven't read it in so long that i'm like okay I, i don't know what i can say but just just wait till you keep reading. I, I can't wait to hear when you get through it. Um, this makes me really excited to read it again too and ref- refresh my memory on everything. Like everything you think right now, I'm sure you can expect that a lot of it will be different by the end, as you've already oh, seen sure. at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, just like one example that I just read in the third volume. Did the volumes you have have uh, a story where there was a big four page fold out spread? 
uh, it's been so long since I've read it. I the way I read it was purchasing like the collections the way that you have them digitally. Mm-hmm. So like it was still like collected that way. Oh, okay. So it, yeah. So that would be kind of tough. So there's this one particular issue where um, it includes a, a four page spread where you actually have to fold it out of the book yourself. And it's like four pages wide, one gigantic long panel. Uh-huh. And this one panel is the climax of the story that's going on because there's there's one character in this this story that can make things happen and it's this it's this issue where you see this character doing a lot of minor things in all the issues that lead up to this and they don't quite make sense until this issue and it's one of those issues where it puts all these pieces in place and this and shows you uh this is why the character did this and here's why this next thing happened and here's the way this next thing happened and here's why this next thing happened it's kind of like in the at the end of murder she wrote right <laughs> and she's like and then the killer did this and this and this and it's like oh all revealed mm-hmm. except that this reveal is going on to this kind of just insane crazy situation that this character has created and so the issue builds up and builds up and builds up and builds up until finally there's this four page spread that is like the height of the climax of the insanity going on in this moment and i i think i like exclaimed out loud as i read it of just like wow because i was so blown away by the effect that that buildup had and how effective it was as a storytelling mechanism. And man, I just love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I like, I'm sure that was in there in some way, but you know, talking about form and everything, um, you can't capture that kind of form the same way between like a physical and a digital comic. Like I'm sure there was the, you know, a giant four page spread, but it just like, you know, you flip the digital page to the next one. Suddenly it's just like really stretched out image. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I'll have to, you know, even like I'm going to be reading these in the 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 omnibuses I got, but I obviously I still have the digital version because I bought it and those don't go away. Um I'll have to go back and look and see how it was presented in that when I get to that point. Like I said, like yeah. I want to say more about my management, but I don't want to risk saying anything that might reveal something to you. So, um uh-huh. I, it's up to you when you want to call this conversation and obviously like probably by next week or the week after you'll be done reading it and then we could get more into the depth of the story. Oh yeah. I'll definitely be done with this by the, by the time we talk. I, I think I started reading it like three days ago and I'm already halfway through. So nice. yeah, I'm just, I'm flying through this. It feels good to do that. Like it's, it feels so satisfying when you get a book that you get hooked into that much and can read through that quickly. Cause like, yeah, it's not just willpower. You're not forcing yourself to read it like that. Like you're enticed. Yes. Yeah. This is one where I'm. I have moments like, oh, oh, can I sneak in reading another issue right now? You know, it's like, uh, I've I've got 15 minutes or 10 minutes like before dinner is ready or whatever. Like uh, I could sneak in reading one more issue. You know, it's that's how I'm feeling about this book. I just read a stretch of a book that it was kind of like that for me. Like I normally have trouble binging for very long on a comic. And I, uh, Josh Cruz on Twitter had tweeted a commission that he got of a character from Deadly Class, which is an image book written by Rick Remender. Uh, I apologize. I don't know the artist's name off the top of my head and I don't have it with me. 
art's really good in it too, though. I'll say so. <laughs> I don't I don't remember who the artist is, but he's good. Um, Let's see if I can do some Google foo and figure this out. Yeah, you could do the you could do that work while what's, I talk about. What's it. tough is you, you look it up and it's it's all TV series, TV series. Yeah. It's uh, so I I really like Rick Remender. Uh, the first book that kind of gave him that that place of saying I'll probably check something out if he does it just because it's him was um, Fear Agent which I really loved. That's um, on my shelf to be finished reading. That may be one I pick up right after mind management. Oh, uh, it's a, it's a good one. I've I, that's one of few series that I've read twice without a huge gap in between. Part of the reason was the first part of it that I read was, um, was my friend Nick Wetmore sent me uh, a bunch of like trades he was done with and whatever random stuff. And he sent me the back end of that series, the last couple of trades. So I read that first, and then I got the first two trades and read them. Then I gave them to a friend. He gave them to another friend. I asked that friend if I could borrow them back to read them again. He ended up giving them back to me, and I think I traded him some other stuff that I had. And then I gave them to somebody else. So I I read that story like second half first and then first half second the first time and then I read it straight through the second time and it, that that series is interesting too because I guess like it was it started out on image and then it ended up over a dark horse so I don't know if image just like killed it and so remember you know took it elsewhere to get it finished I don't remember what happened with that yeah like I, I'm not 100% sure there and then they worked it out to where it, like now it's all with image and they reprinted um, like new collections of it in the last like couple of years or so. Like, I really loved that book. Like uh, the, you know, good art, you know, the kind of art that interests me. Um, oh yeah. Great art. Good, I've read the first of the two volumes. Yeah. And I, I think the art might even change in it, but I, uh, I think it's mostly, uh, if I remember right, uh, Opinia does most of yeah, the art. Jerome Opinia, I think. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. somebody else, I think, does some art in it, but I think it's mostly Opinia. Yeah, so, like, I loved that book. That kind of put Rick Remender in that category where until he, you know, works his way out of it, if I read too many things that I don't care for, I'm going to try stuff. So Deadly Class is one that I had tried to read some time ago uh, based on... I don't know if it was based on me enjoying Fear Agent or um, if it was just, like, I, I might have actually tried reading it when it was a fairly new book. Uh, and I didn't really get very deep into it. Like it was, it wasn't one of those where I was like, nah, I don't like this. I don't want to do it anymore. But I just like couldn't really get it. And I think reading it again, what I've read, I probably read it the first time during that time I was talking about with my management where like I mentally couldn't like hold all these pieces together at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. And Josh tweets about it, you know, tweets this picture of this one character. And I go like, you know what? I really want to read that because that, that art is awesome. And uh, that's a book that I've always wanted to give another shot. So I go on Hoopla, and they have it, and um, they have the like the deluxe collections. Uh, you know, eventually, uh, Image does that a lot, where they like they, instead of just having the trades, like they'll do the the giant hardcover that's you know like three trades basically. Mm-hmm. So it's sixteen issues that that I was able to read in this one shot, and I flew through that. Like I read it. Uh, over a couple of days, but basically probably within a 24-hour period. Because I started reading it in the evening, I read through as much as I could, and then the next day, as soon as I could, I got back to reading it. Um, cool. 
So very good story. It's about uh, a kid who is homeless. Crazy stuff happened in his past. His parents, I believe he's uh, Nicar- Nicaraguan. And they went to the U.S. Uh, escaping crazy stuff. He hates Ronald Reagan. Political stuff involved. His parents get killed by somebody jumping off a bridge committing suicide that they're passing under on a boat. Whoa, okay. That's bizarre. Yeah, crazy stuff. Uh, so now he's living on the streets uh, because he was in uh, like a boy's home where they were basically being abused and forced to um, like make crafts that were being sold or something like that, you know? So they're being taken advantage of, abused, um, like really abused. And he finally um, gets out of there. So like as the story goes on, it unveils more and more. Where first you're like, you don't really know what happened. You know the cops are after him. So like something bad happened. And then eventually, like, you learn that there was, you know, it was a violent departure. And then you learn that he has this, like, the cops are after him because the crime got pegged on him where, like, all the kids got slaughtered. And then eventually you find out that it wasn't him. It was this other psychopath that he was, like, in a room with uh, at the home that he thought he had killed. He poisoned him. But he survived the poison and gets up and takes the, the guns that were left from the guards. And, um, you know, like, the, the the kid who's the main character. I'm awful remembering names, so my apologies. I can't remember the character's name. Um, okay. I'm, I'm this, yeah, this will always be the case. I'm, I'm horrible with names. He frees all the kids and then gets out of there. And uh, this other guy basically comes behind him and murders all the, all the other kids that are in the home. So he gets pinned with this. And he's living on the streets trying to survive. He finally gets picked up by this organization uh, that offers to let him in this school to train assassins. So, but he's he's a teenager. They're all these teenagers. It's high school. It's like it's, you know, assassin high school pretty much. Really good characters in it. Um, you know, the story goes on to, you know, get into all their lives some and builds the, the characters. Uh, and the end of that collection sets you up to where, like, the school is out to kill him now hmm. so like i don't know where it's going to go from here the series is still going i believe there's another one of those deluxe collections that i have queued up to read so like another 16 issues and then there's multiple trades after that so i mean like it's it's been a series that's been going on for a long time and like i said i'm pretty sure it's still going too yeah i remember when it came out i bought the first issue or two um just more on just kind of recommender speculation than anything else um i never got around to reading them though <laughs> I think I have digital versions of this from a, a Humble Bundle, though. Yeah, it, it probably. I mean, Image Humble Bundles give you a good assortment of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so it's definitely one that I that I would recommend checking out. Um, I've kind of fi- found that I like waiting for a series to complete so I could read the whole story at once. Um, but I mean, then you get a series like this that goes on so long that it's hard to do that with. Yeah. Another one that stands out to me like that, that I read a whole bunch of and then stopped for a long, long time and then went back was East of West. Those are my kind of image books, like really crazy ideas, great art, but like unique and different art. Yeah. So I don't want to get an East of West. We don't want to talk that much longer, but <laughs> sure. Yeah. Maybe uh, we can do another uh, East of West episode. Cause that's probably, on my list after Fear Agent, I'm like I'm I'm working through all this stuff like the kind of greatest hits of the last decade or so that 
I've always wanted to read, but never really got around to. Um, so that's that's kind of the shape my reading is taking right now. I'm surprisingly ahead of you on all this stuff. Usually, it'd be the other way around. I'm not. I'm not. The, I'm not the quickest comic reader, but I, you know, I've been going back to some of the things that I might have dabbled in. Um, but now there's like a large amount of stuff. Um, you know, it's like like I said, uh, Deadly Class is one. So I got a lot more to go on that. I kind of want to reread Fear Agent now too. So I have all these things I want to reread also. Uh, East of West, I got all caught up on. I think I finished it. I might have the last trade to read still. I can't remember at this point. Another one that I had read a ton of that I want to pick back up and, and read again and finish is um, Manhattan Projects, which is also by Hickman. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So like Hickman is one of those that's kind of in that category. Like I, I really enjoyed his X-Men stuff. I was excited about it because of the experience I had reading a, you know, a handful of his other series. Yeah, it's, you're like you're on the same kind of train of thought. I'm sure uh, we'll come across some titles that uh, that you jump into that I haven't already read. Like I think it's totally coincidence that you're going on the path of stuff that I've I've you know actually read. Uh-huh. But yeah, I just uh, I love those are the kind of indie books that I love. And I mean, we talked a lot about Matt Kent today. Jeff Lemire is definitely somebody that we could dive into a lot. So we got a lot of stuff in front. It, it, I'm sure you've heard, but uh, Sweet Tooth is coming back. Oh, it is. I didn't know that. Okay, so you haven't heard. How do I? How no. do I know more news than you? Usually, you're more up on me than anything. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I've been uh, busy lately. Yeah, I feel that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's weird. I go through phases of like being really informed to being like, ah, I I can't stand this world. I need to just ignore it for a while, <laughs> and that seems to be a, a recurring cycle. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a healthy cycle. You need those times of just not caring. I, I, that's why I end up behind in comics and everything too. I mean, like one, I don't care to try to read super fast. Like I, I'm glad that I'm I have gotten over the days of I need to have a pull list and then I need to read all this stuff when it comes out because I'd have stuff stack up. And then you feel this pressure, like, oh, I got to read all these books. Like, I'm, I'm buying them, you know. I want to read them. Not having a pull list is the greatest thing. I actually did just uh, restart a pull list, but it was for one title. Was it for the bad idea stuff? No, uh, because they don't sell that anywhere around me. Oh, okay. um, It's for uh, Usagi Yojimbo. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have a pull list, and basically the only thing on it is Hickman, X-Men, and bad idea books. Nice. I had uh, yeah. I had reached out to um, Andy, who had worked for Valiant. He owns the comic shop in Santa Clarita, where I... Brave New World Comics. Yeah. Um, I reached out to him, because I know that he's going to have them. But then, of course, that was pre-COVID and everything installed up, so I really don't know where all that is right now. We're waiting for the button to tell us, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> all hail the button. And our circle is complete. We're back to the button at the end. <laughs> Yeah, the button that that may be all cleared up by the time this is released. We're 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 like several weeks ahead at this point, I think, in our recording releasing schedule. Yeah, it feels good. It feels good to be ahead. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It feels good for us, for the listener. The last thing I was going to finish up on if in unless you've got more on your train of thought. Uh, nope. my train of thought oh, is okay. done. Yeah, on um, back to meeting Matt Kent. The first time I met him at a, a convention, it was uh, shortly after Rye had started, and I think just like you and just like almost everybody that was reading Valiant at the time, it felt just like such an explosion of an imagination and was really cool, just visually great. The story was great, just a, a fantastic series. 
and I saw that the map of Japan that Matt Kent drew and watercolored himself that was uh, a, like a pinup feature in the first issue of Rai, he sold the original art of that. And so he put it up on eBay and I, I bid for it and I, I won it. And then I asked, well, can I just pick it up from you guys at San Diego Comic-Con? And I said, I'll, I'll pay you cash if you want that way. And that way you save the PayPal fees. And so it will be a win-win for everybody. And his wife handled all that, all like that business stuff. And she said, yeah, sure. Sounds good. Just meet us like at this booth this time and, and it'll all be good. So I did that. I, I got the map and I was with my uh, friend Christian, uh, Elvin's Comics Christian, and we got to talk to him for a while and he talked about his like roadmap for the series and how he had a, a whole bunch of stuff planned out. And I, I think a lot of it never ended up coming to fruition because um, management changes at Valiant, which kind of threw things <laughs> for a loop. But uh, it was just, it, it's a, like a symbol and a representation of, I, I feel like that was like peak valiant at that moment yeah. when just more and more series were coming out. They were getting fantastic creators and just kind of like batting way over average in terms of the output that they were doing. And it seemed like everything was just fantastic and top notch and that map really symbolizes that time in comics for me and that moment in comics for me and so just hearing him talk about how he came up with all these ideas of sectors of japan and how he had a bunch of different stories planned for different locations that were in the map that was just such an exciting moment so that was a really cool way to meet matt kent yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, I actually, I remember that story about the map, and I forgot that you were the one that ended up getting it, so that's really cool. Yes. Yeah. Um, yep, it's hanging in my living room, framed in a beautiful frame, and I get to look at it every day. That is, that is a gem, for sure. Um, yeah. But it, that, like, it, it illustrates, like, all the creators that were Valiant, like, in that era, uh, when it was, like, really rolling, and then before they started trying to do bigger things, like, getting more short-sighted comic-wise because they were trying to get into more media, you know, movies. Um, I I think there was also kind of shortly after that is when management battles really started uh, in in earnest a bit. And I think that that hijacked things way more than we really know. Yeah, I mean, before that point, uh, it's like like follow-through, you know, like if you're throwing a ball, you can't move your arm to the point you let go of the ball and then stop because even though you've let go of the ball, like if your intention is to stop there, the ball is not going to get thrown properly. You know, if you follow through, you throw the ball properly. It's like the Bruce Lee. You have to, you have to punch to the other side of the person. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's that, that was what was so great about the storytelling of the time is they weren't going like, okay, my mental creativity is literally up to this point. And then it stops. Kent's plans for Rye were way beyond what we would, even even if he was able to stay there and had free reign to do what he wanted to do, like there was no way he was going to get to the end of his thoughts. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. Dysart was like that. And I mean, look how long Venditti was on uh, on EXO. I mean, that ran yeah. for over fifty issues. Um, 
like so many great creators then like they obviously had these like these long-term thoughts for what they were doing and that's what made the stories so good is the follow-through was massive so you you knew where the threads were going and you could keep on building them up and weaving them better and you know those stories were fantastic when they got to where they were chopping them off all the time you know it 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 affects everything because if you're always like okay i'm only Mm -hmm. getting you know 12 issues eight issues however many you know and then you know you get guys like uh you know rafer doing um the the harbinger renegades um and like that got chopped off way before he got to do what he wanted to do and like that was it getting cut out from under him not just like okay you have this long and that's it but just you know like okay you have this long but nope we're actually going to end you now and Mm -hmm. regardless of what anybody thinks of uh you know the story being told or anything like that like you're not going to have a good story when you're doing that and i know valiant is still going now but there's a reason that you know you and i have lost interest in it you know they, they still have a lot of good creators there i don't really know like firsthand the quality of anything and I'm not, I'm not really interested to like i just like i'm not drawn into it even with whatever creators they have there because too much of that like just you know cutting the legs out of everything so yeah well i'm i'm mostly just hopeful that all of that energy that we as readers got in that time around like 2015 2016 uh, we're going to see that again pop up at Bad Idea. That's I what I'm, yeah. yeah I, mean, I think a lot of people are hoping for that. Some of the people they already have there are great. And, um, like seeing, uh, Ramon Villalobos, uh, is doing something there. Like he's somebody that I wanted to get more from. And, um, you know, that, that got cut off. I talked about that before. So, like, I mean, like the one person that I didn't already know from Valiant that they have there is like one person, like, oh, that's awesome. Like is bringing in somebody else that I want something from. So, <laughs> cool. uh-huh. pretty excited about it. Cool. All right. Well, it's an exciting time to enjoy comic books. So it is that's good for us. It's a beautiful day. I think I'm going to read some comics now. Nice. I'm going to go do some yard work outside before it gets to be 100 degrees. And then I'm going to read some comics once it is 100 degrees. Nice. Outside. You enjoy yes. your 100 degree day. I'll stick with my 75. Oh, enjoy it. <laughs> oh, I wish. <laughs> All right. Everybody out there in listening in your headphones. Thank you for tuning in to another 99th episode. Uh, you can follow Paul on Twitter at who's Paul, but there's no apostrophe in that because that would break Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter at bad deacon. And there's no apostrophe in that either. Cause that would be kind of strange. And that's probably, I think, where we primarily interact and talk with people. I don't know about you, but that's pretty much my primary social media outlet. I'm not as much on the Facebooks or the Instagrams or stuff like that. Yeah, me neither. So we're, we're, we're Twitter people all the way. If you're listening to this, you probably know how to find this episode, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify and probably a lot of other places as well. So subscribe. And that way you will never miss an hour of us rambling about comics and creators we like. And um, maybe next time we'll even have a lesson for you, <laughs> like in uh, the class now classic episodes <laughs> of this the podcast. <laughs> well, in- all right. Until next time, uh, go burn your books, but only in a good creative way. Sounds good. All right. All right.